welcome to Sex Advice for Seniors. And just a big shout out before we start to all of our TikTok followers. We've now reached the magical number. Well, who 15, knows if it's a thousand um, followers and a couple of million views, which is um, extraordinary. <laughs> we can't keep saying this every week, but please spread the news. <laughs> but we're kind of shocked. Anyway, what are we talking about today? Um, well, we were talking yesterday about um, basically privilege, white privilege, that we are both middle class, uh, educated uh, people with no religious background. We're both atheists. Um, and well, I'm Jewish. Sort well, of you're Jewish. Jewishness. So you're Jewish atheist. <laughs> I'm Church of England atheist. Um and so that means that we don't carry with us any of the sort of burdens of having been brought up in a particular um, tradition and approaches to sex and sexuality. So, uh, you know, we, we are quite privileged, privileged people in that sense compared to most people in the world, maybe. And the danger that comes with that, of course, is then assuming that our position is the one that everyone should adopt, that our sort of relatively liberated position on sex um, should be the model for the rest of the world. And um, that's something we perhaps need to address. I don't know. Yeah. And I suspect in addition to the privilege that comes from, you know, just being white and middle class and educated and all that stuff, is the privilege of growing up, both of us really, in quite liberated households mm. where even though my parents were not terribly demonstrative with their affection when I was growing up, so I didn't... I didn't grow up in a household where people I was, you know, I was I was made very aware of mm, sex. Mm. I didn't grow up in a household where it, I was made to feel ashamed of it. Yeah. And I also grew up in a household where um it was yeah, where where it was associated with pleasure. And mm. I do think, you know, I'm a I'm a liberal Jew, so I'm I'm I, I have and do sometimes celebrate the high holidays and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But obviously I'm not a Hasidic Jew. I'm not, I, I haven't brought, been brought up in an Orthodox environment, which comes with a whole bunch of yeah. stuff around, especially around women and sex. Yeah. Um, and even the way that we were brought up in terms of how our parents approach sex, mm whether they talked about it or not, mm. whether they felt comfortable to expressing affection, um, mm. Mm. it informs so much of how we, yeah. as people, just treat sex. Yeah, I think so. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not orthodox either, and that's, why I mean, that's what I mean by um, Church of England atheist. Um, I'm culturally Church of England, but, you know, technically... Um, entirely atheist I can you know as far as we know there were no there was no religious belief in our family for generations oh, I mean right. nobody nobody's nobody knows of any yeah um and so yeah we we had a relatively relatively open uh attitude to well no I, it wasn't open it was kind of non-existent it just <laughs> wasn't discussed you know and I mean I know my mum uh was 
quite intersex and uh, and you know I found all sorts of things that I think we've talked about before mm. um, that you know when I was a child that made it clear that sex was just one of those things you know and she yeah. had lots of boyfriends and and various partners mm. um, one after another not all at the same time as far <laughs> as I know although that's possible as well who knew uh, who who knows who yeah. knows who knows um, so yeah, yeah, we we come from a part of the world and a part of the a part of a class within that world where it's kind of, you know, it's just not a subject really. For it yeah. wasn't a subject for us. Yeah. Um, uh, not out of any attempt to avoid it, but simply because it wasn't. Um, it just wasn't, you know, important in that sense yeah. I mean having said that my sister got pregnant at 15 wow um, and, that's, and that's important got married married at 16 and then divorced when the first husband went to prison and uh, married <laughs> married his brother and all that sort of thing so <laughs> uh, that was quite a sort of mucked up childhood in, in that sense uh, I joined the army and escaped all that sort of stuff but um yeah, so um, so sex obviously was an important part of uh, of the family, but in a in a completely absent and non non discussed way. You yeah, know? and I think also when we were growing up, sex education was purely about biology. Really, yeah. it was about you know there are these two things. We never really completely understood how it worked. Yeah, um, but we. And in fact, I don't actually remember sex education at all at school. I, I remember biology, yeah. but I don't remember sex education. So, you know, all of this kind of stuff, how you were brought up, whether your parents talked about it or not, whether they demonstrated affection or not, mm. and also whether or not you happen to be of a particular religion where, especially for women, sexual mm. pleasure is 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 just verboten yeah. and it's not happening, informs all of our relationship to how we approach sex, yeah. how we think about sex, how we in, how we experience pleasure, yeah. how guilty we feel or not yeah, about yeah. experiencing yeah. pleasure. Yeah. And I think we have to acknowledge just because, you know, we call ourselves sex advice for seniors, which implies a whole demographic of people over a certain age. And, you know, in our case, it's kind of 50s, 60s. But within that group, there are so many different subgroups. Mm. And some of what we say we have to we have to acknowledge may seem incredibly radical. Well, and it's also it's also entirely heterosexual, really. Well, and that's discussed mainly, so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a whole other world that um, that was was oppressed and repressed for a long time, and that was being gay. I mean, that was yeah. that was uh, that was a big taboo when I was, when I was growing up. You know, you could be accused of being gay for anything. I remember my <laughs> one of my teachers wrote on my on my report that Peter must learn that being able to recite poetry is not a reflection on his manhood. Um, <laughs> 
So, you know, it was... It... No, in fact, a lot of people really like men that can recite poetry. Yeah. My English lit teacher, I fancied the hell out of when I was at university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, he could recite Keats off the top of his head while he was just giving a lecture. And I have yeah. to say, I found that a cr tremendous turn-on. I was just remember thinking, wow, that guy can... He just knows this stuff. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. else does he know? Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. Well, I used to do that in German. Did you? In God. Well, so, I didn't know you then, and um, I don't speak German, so maybe that wouldn't have no, been quite so exciting. No. <laughs> Could have had the little, um, you know, the little writing on her eyelids that said, I, says, I love you. <laughs> what, which film is that? That's... Um, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Isn't I'm it? sure there's lots of young yeah. students though that did think that a guy who could speak German and poetry, yeah, just off the top of his head, was quite sexy. Yeah, they yeah. Know. and they'd be right. Uh, yeah, that's like, one thing right. that men never know. You know, like know. just learn some poetry and off you go. But no, going back to the subject. I mean, I remember when I was in my twenties, I did experiment with women and um, and enjoyed it. But I thought they were too dramatic for me to have relationships with, and you know, yeah, join the club. Yeah, exactly. Right. I just thought every I was I actually I actually had a roommate that was a gay woman, and her girlfriend was quite abusive, and so that informed part of my thinking. Mm -hmm. um, although we know that you know that's not true of. Of the majority, no, the vast goes, majority of relationships. In all relationships, in a, but it's a minority. You know? Yeah, exactly. But domestic violence, yeah, yeah, accompanied that one, which was deeply unpleasant. Mm. But yeah, I did, I did have relations, you know, relationships, sexual encounters with women. I did have sexual encounters with women in my twenties, yeah. and I remember telling my aunt that when I was probably in my. Again, I was in my very early 20s, and I remember saying to my aunt, I don't remember why, probably apropos of nothing, probably because I just thought it was a cool thing to do. I remember saying to her that I thought I, I identified as being bisexual. Right. And she was, and this was, you know, the early 80s, she was very shocked by that. Oh, right. And obviously, people didn't, you know, at during that period of time, it was it, and I and my roommate was gay as well at university, male, um, gay, and you know I at that time I was gaydar mm. at my university because right. of course there was no there was no internet or anything, and so finding out who was gay, people didn't openly come out as gay because they could be subject to mm. abuse and you know it was quite it was very serious so I I because I was in the arts and I came from London and I was at a very provincial university where people like me were really freaks so mm. I was just joined I, I just was part of the many freaky people there but being freaky and arty meant that you were probably you know you could be gay, gay. you could well, be gay I, so, I'm, so. I, was, I was in the army uh, for five years and um uh, but I was a bandsman, I was a musician, and that, that immediately put our sexuality in question because we could read music. Not, <laughs> not only could we read, but we could read music. You know, it's, it's double whammy in that sense. And there were gay men in the, in the band in, uh, amongst the musicians, and it was never an issue. Really? You know, it was just, you know, they got no more of a ribbing and banter than, than anyone else did for, for any other of their characteristics, you know, so it's it was very odd um, because at the same time, you know, late seventies, early eighties. I mean, we, 
later on you had clause 28 and all that sort of stuff you know where you know there's there's a real fear of of homosexuality um but we didn't have it for some reason we we didn't have that fear it was just oh this this godfrey he's gay you know and that was that it's very very odd in uh, to find that in the british army at the time but then we were bandsmen so you know <laughs> slightly better educated you know and uh, with a, a skill and and the rest of it but anyway yes I mean the point of this um, podcast was going to be to talk about the way in which people grow up with all sorts of burdens I mean it's still not entirely uh, okay to be gay it's a lot better than it used to be yeah and it depends where you live yeah. in, in some countries it's still against the law so yeah exactly. so you know exactly. and I think we all have to acknowledge that each of us brings to our our relationships and our sexual relationships the baggage or not yeah. that we carry around with us from our childhood and from our upbringing and from our religion and all of that stuff contributes to how we experience how easy it is to talk about it yeah. we've had quite a lot of comments from people who clearly are challenged within relationships speaking about it yeah. and then men who have commented why should women even need to have an orgasm as yeah, if yeah, this yeah. thing is something yeah. that is just something that's Beyond. only reserved yeah. for men yeah. and if women get one well you know then lucky you but you yeah, know it's but not, it's not necessary it's not because it. you don't need the orgasm to conceive that's basically what it comes down to it's a you know question of conception yeah men need to orgasm for there to be conception women don't you know so yeah. therefore the question becomes for for a lot of people well what is the point of the female <laughs> orgasm you know it's like why why do men have nipples you know it's, it's this pointless thing that goes on that that happens um, because it's that that attitude removes pleasure from the equation. There's something mm. about human pleasure, mm. which is which is reduced down to just conception, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and you know the right to life and all the rest of it, and and the whole um, l debate about when when uh, when life begins in the United States and the moment, all that sort of thing. Um, it's all part of it, you know, and it's women who've been on the receiving end of that for for mm. well millennia. <laughs> Really, for, well, forever. Forever. forever, forever. They've um, been on the receiving end of it forever. Yeah, and that, and yeah. and that's beginning to change, I think, and that that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. But our generation is probably, you know, maybe one of the last generations to kind of still have one leg in that old camp. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure. um, still have been brought up uh, in a lot of cases with the burden of of these prejudices about yeah. about sexuality um so i i guess what we're talking about therefore is how it's possible to break that a, a whether it's desirable to break those habits yeah and b how you then mm. break them uh and for me it's it is entirely uh necessary i think human Sexual liberation is an important part of human liberation as a whole. I'm an old old 68er in that <laughs> in that sense, you know. Um, with you know, leaving aside all the questions about that that dimension, but um, 
but that you know human sexual liberation is is a really important part of uh, of human development and that liberation has to take all the forms it wants to take you know whether you're gay or bisexual or trans or heterosexual or, or whatever those all those things have to be have mm. to be accepted as being part of human human life you know human existence yeah yeah for sure and i think you know i've been reading this book whose title of course has now escaped me um about seven seven sins for women and girls or something i will find it and and, and report on it right. but you know it, she talks about um in various cultures the it, exactly that you know that women's sexuality is a part of all of our of of women having the equality and and um rebelling against patriarchy and all that kind of stuff mm. that needs to happen alongside all the other stuff against patriarchy because you know the thing about um controlling women's bodies and yeah. obviously this is incredibly timely with what's just gone on in the states with roe versus wade but you know we've got all sorts of other things going on which are all about fgm, FGM just about about how um how cultures religions the government whatever yeah. tries to control female anatomy female pleasure yeah. um femaleness frankly yeah. Yeah. um and it and and we recognize that you know as we said speaking about this openly that there are places around the world where these kind of conversations we wouldn't be able to be allowed my point of view would be entirely uh, probably put me in jail and, yeah. and 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 so you know we all have to recognize when we are dealing with others in in our relationships in talking to them how all of the stuff that forms who we are informs how people receive that information and what they're able to do with it frankly mm -hmm. because in some cases you're not able to do very much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and 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 the only thing you can do is, is is listen and think. Well, how lucky are they? Those 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 people in those privileged positions to be able to have these in, extraordinary conversations yeah. about uh, a, an element of my life that I have no control over yeah. or very little, you know, um, autonomy. Yeah. Um, over. So I think you know we have to we have to acknowledge that, but. But also, um, you know, for, for me, it is about, I think you're right, though, about our generation. We, we were brought up at a time where our parents were, you know, post-war. Just taking the first steps, yeah. really, yeah. And although if you look back historically, it's almost, again, the 1920s was sometimes incredibly yeah, yeah. liberated. Yeah, yeah. And lots of stuff went on with gay people and cross-dressing and all sorts of stuff. That's why when, I Berl love Berlin so much. It still has, <laughs> it still has that sort of, that whiff of, of Weimar about yeah, it. You yeah. know? Um, and then we went backwards and then we got liberated yeah. in the 60s, which is kind of uh, the beginning of our... And that's where we, we come in. That's really. where we come in as boomers <laughs> is the is the whole hippie generation. But my, my mother was the eldest, so she was very much the last yeah. brigade of this very conservative yeah. point of view, whereas my aunt and uncle were very much the opposite. They were 
complete hippies, you know, oh, right. doing mm. all of that stuff. So they were they were living the life, you know, my 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 uncle and everything. They 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 were musicians and artists. So they were really like in the thick of it. Yeah. Um in the sixties, whereas my mother was not. My right, mother right, was right. the very end of the of that conservative period of time. So I was I was brought up much more with conservative attitudes, I would say. Right, um right. and then you know, and then you look at our... So what happened? I don't know. <laughs> and then you look at... And then it's interesting because you look at us as parents and I'm incredibly open with my own kids mm. about sex. Mm. Um, and But that's not true of some of their friends mm. whose parents still carry the baggage with them. Yeah, yeah. Of, well, there have been of, television of, series about it. You know, kids you know, whose mothers as sex advisors for example i can't remember the name of this series now oh sex education no, was, that's what, which yeah. my son thought was based on me but anyway it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> no 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 that's right no. it's still it's still a patchwork but it's a patchwork that is improving i think yeah gradually. yeah for sure yeah so yeah. in this country and and one would hope worldwide I mean, we said FGM earlier. Um, we should explain that means fena female genital mutilation. And when you actually look into it, some of those statistics are just terrifying. Yeah, um, they are really terrifying. You know, North Africa, Egypt, I've read statistics, statistics between 70% and 90% of women still have female genital mutilation. And yeah. there's no reason with that other than to limit women's sexual pleasure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure. And, you know, and that has to be... I mean, it, uh, it is, you know, a cultural position to take to say that that has to be stamped out. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, is, it is not a culturally good thing, <laughs> you know. Um, no, and that simply because we're white and middle class, we should steer away from it. You know, it, it has to be universal or it's, it's nothing, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, for sure. And, you know, and there's lots of, lots of horrible other stuff that goes on, you know, mm -hmm. as we've said. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the point of this is to acknowledge that there's... There's cultural differences and there's all sorts of other things and we have to we have to as our as adults as we have to appreciate that there's that there's different points of view there's different ways of being and one has a responsibility I think to acknowledge where where we are in in that yeah many you know in that yeah. buffet yeah, 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 yeah. that exists out there yeah. and not assume as so often happens that everybody just has to get on board with what we're saying yeah. because we're lucky if you can and we know that yeah we know that yeah, we know, we know that. that for some of you yeah. you're that it's not that simple and although people who would come to a site that called sex advice for seniors are you would think already you know Pushing, pushing the boundaries somewhere or yeah. are fully, you know, fully involved in it. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. it's uh, something that, yeah, we've got to acknowledge that it's not as simple as it is for us, you know. No, no. And, you know, one of the things, um, one of the things we spoke about um, 
last week and was about the female orgasm and the different types and and yeah. all of that kind of thing and and solo pleasure and and how you know masturbation can lead to just better understanding of your bodies and your sex but also i think you know what i'm seeing on tiktok for instance yeah. is i watched something i just caught sight of because now of course that we're called sex advice for seniors you know i get i get chucked at me mm. all sorts of other people who give sex advice mm. predominantly i noticed a lot of men yeah. who are younger men who are doling out how to pleasure women in that almost magnolia tom cruise sort of way oh, right, 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 right where they're like they're not um what were they called those guys that that go out and pick pickup artists yeah, yeah. Oh, in, the, right. in the kind of mm-hmm. oh, in the okay. kind of like hey if you want to be really good at this this uh-huh. is what you're going to do and this guy was like going i mean honestly he was saying so tiktok chucked me off but here's here's the vagina right? <laughs> right. he was like here's the vagina and then he'd draw on the palm of his hand like a little circle or something and he'd like go and here's the bit inside the vagina that's like the rough, edgy bit that's just like the G spot or whatever. And he's like, So now I'm going to teach you how to do it. And he's like, Going, so like you go in and you're like going like this and everything. And I just thought, Yeah. Really? <laughs> really? In the 21st century, why brain? Why are you like, what, you know, I suppose you could say the same about us, but honestly, yeah, yeah. like, you know, sorry for the podcast people, I'm drawing my hands, I'm putting my hands together into a circle and drawing with a circle the inside of my palm to indicate the fleshy bit that apparently is the G spot and where to locate it and how to put your fingers inside and la 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 Mm. in this way that's so ambiguous that only somebody who is a mind reader would be able to... (laughs) Well, that's what men think they have to be, you know, (laughs) know, because... um, Oh my They're God. never told. I mean, we don't know what we're doing most of the time, as I said last time. And uh, now, you know, you kind of you kind of find this stuff out if you're lucky. Yeah. You know, I think many women are never satisfied by men because because the men have no fucking idea what they're doing. Yeah, know? and I suppose that's the other thing that goes back to this whole conversation about culture. That's just kind of been a bit of a light bulb for me at the moment. Is that for so much of what goes on culturally and through religion and stuff, Mm -hmm. it feels like the burden to become the person that you, that you, that experiences sexual pleasure in all the ways that you want to is always going to be the woman because she's the one Mm. who's the persecuted one always right (laughs) throughout throughout every society and every religion it's the woman who's denied the opportunity to experience sexual pleasure denied the opportunity to really appreciate and understand her body typically denied the you know all sorts of things mainly she denied although obviously being a gay man is is very very challenging in lots of places yeah but it's very sad that i mean i've been to places where it was really pretty much forbidden to have sex before marriage yeah and you can Mm. see the frustration that exists amongst young men in these places because mainly they come up to a lot of western women and they want opportunities to be intimate with them whether it's giving offering them a massage which has happened to me in a few places Mm. or 
the worst possible example that I can share with everyone is on a New Year's Day, walking through a busy area where there were large congregations of men all grouped together. And as me and my two girlfriends with their partners walked through this, and which meant squishing through this group of guys, the three women, we were all had um, fingers inserted into us as we were walking through. Good um, and uh, we all acknowledge that when we got through the other side is Good that hands. we literally just felt hands going up us because we're wearing dresses and mm. and violated in that way. And that's the kind of very worst possible example that but, I can share yeah. with people. And, um, and that was really quite startling and horrible. But obviously in some of these places, stuff like that is probably minor compared to some of the other stuff that we've all read about. And yeah, it's yeah. terrible. Yeah. So it's not the responsibility solely of women to no, learn no, about this stuff. Not. It's the responsibility of men as yeah. well yeah. to recognize the difference between people that grow up in liberated cultures yeah. and are going on holiday in places that are not quite so open-minded yeah. and the responsibility we have I have as a white woman to to do things that are respectful in those cultures so that people realize I mean you know I remember for instance German women playing naked um, beach uh, what's that beach racket game oh, yeah right. on a this was this was in the this was a long time ago in India totally naked yeah and next to them, women were walking into the water in full saris. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. The, the, the disparity between yeah. the cultures yeah, yeah. could not have been more evident. Well, it's, it's like right? if you put naked people on the Victorian beach, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. You know, it's, it's not so, that long since we had a very similar attitude. attitude and, uh, you know, women had to stay covered up. Yeah. All the time, or you know, you had a bathing box that went down to the water, <laughs> water, and you got the, you know, it's so these things do change, but yeah, it's, uh, it's so it's, a, it's, it's extraordinary, yeah. And it's and it needs to, it, it's not just women, it's everybody, every men as well. If you're having relationships with women who come from cultures where this kind of stuff that we're talking about is maybe you, you need to just be sensitive, yeah. right? Yeah. It's about, it's about a, a a level of sensitivity mm. to appreciate that we are we are vastly different yeah, in yeah. that way. Well, and that's the definition of woke, really. And I, I'm very proud to be woke. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a woke boomer. And uh, but that is what what woke means is simply being sensitive to these to these issues, um, both to the cultural norms of other people but also to woke to the sort of cultural um stuff that goes on within within your own culture mm. um so for example rape in, in in the united kingdom i don't know what the statistics are but it's about two or three percent they ever even go to court let alone get feel, found yeah, guilty yeah, yeah. you know yeah, yeah. and um we know that the, that the rape statistics show that there is this idea that somehow and this is this this is what it comes down to is that women are the property of men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have been for you know since forever. 
Yeah. And once you can break that, that women are not just an <laughs> adjunct of men, you know, you don't, you don't have to take your husband's name, you don't have to get married, you don't have to yeah, yeah. do these things, you know, go to, go to, to a church and have your father <laughs> give you away <laughs> to another man. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's just property, own, property uh, ownership of property is handed on from the father to the husband. You know, that sort of thing, although it's culturally, you know, it's people look forward to it and love it and all the rest of it. But when you actually think about it, what it actually connotes, then um, mm. then it's it's pretty dreadful, really. And that's why yeah. marriage fell out of favour in the 1960s, because people began to see that this was really just about property ownership. Yeah, yeah. And, and similarly, one of the, you know, one of the benefits of being an older person in all of this, in all of this stuff, is that we don't have to do any of it anymore, <laughs> right? Deep. I mean, yeah. we. I still see a lot of women that are desperate to get remarried yeah. and desperate to sort of fall back into all those traditional patterns mm -hmm. that our age group was expected to follow. Yeah. But we don't need to do that. And, yeah. as, and again, as privileged white people, especially... It's not a requirement anymore in yeah. with us yeah. that, you know, we are lucky in that past procreation and past the need to have, you know, to do all of this, that we can just have, do, fun. have fun. We can. We <laughs> yeah. can just have fun. And yeah. that's one of the brilliant things about being an older person is to rethink what all of this means, mm, right? Mm. All of it. Yeah. It's like we don't have to, you know, we don't have to be monogamous. We yeah. don't have to get married anymore if we don't want to. There's no onus on us. We don't have to live together. Yeah. So all of this stuff, as a senior person, I would urge you, A, to look at where do your ideas come from. Yeah. And how important are they now for you? Yeah. Like, is, is well, how... Whether they're just hangovers from, a, from an earlier period. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. how do they serve you? Like, do they work for you? Like, did that all that stuff work for you in the past? Because if mm. it did, then great. But, you know, for a lot of us, it just didn't. Yeah. And one of the things I see as older women is that, is that the liberation that comes from being older is the liberation from being responsible for looking after men. Mm. And that's, you know... And that again is probably boy, do we need it? Speaking, speaking <laughs> again is probably a privileged person, but you know, I'm just saying for me, it's definitely about I don't have to I don't have to wash their clothes anymore. I don't have to cook their food and yeah, stuff unless yeah, I want to, yeah. and I don't have to do all of that stuff. But anyway, I I hope that's been interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, I think. I, I, you know, it's still a, this is still a voyage of discovery for us. We're, you know, I'm a lot of the stuff I'm saying I've never said before. You know, yeah. and I'm kind of working out as I go along, um, but that's what life is. You know, you, you kind of work it out as you go along. As yeah. you get older, you perhaps you perhaps have a bit more wisdom, but uh, not always. <laughs> no, and I think the more you talk about it, the more you realize some of the assumptions that you've made. Yeah. Yeah. And the more you question whether or not those assumptions are actually mm. accurate or not, mm. or mm. whether somebody was just telling you something to make you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> or feel bad. Or feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> or feel whatever. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you very much. And if you like our podcast, please share it with others and tell them to subscribe. Because, you know, we don't get paid for this. <laughs> 
yet. <laughs> yet. Yeah. Yet. But but we enjoy doing it anyway because no, we sometimes yeah, things are just do. fun. Yeah. We just do them for fun. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>